Oh, we're going. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> All right, take take two. Welcome. Wait, where are we? <laughs> Who are you? What's my line? <laughs> Welcome to X-Rated Movies. This is a movie podcast by two guys who used to date. Now they don't. My name is Ryan Whedon. What? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. We're going. Hi. The, re- the red light means it's recording. I'm Ryan. We- I'm Matt Fisher. And we're in a pod doing a podcast. I'll bet you're really glad you hit play today. <laughs> <laughs> it's the heat. Ryan, it's making me crazy. Anything above 70 and I instantly get temperamental. Mm. Coming to the end of a rough work month. And I'm still sort of shaking off a hangover from Saturday. So Jesus, yeah, it's 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 not the right time for me to think clearly on anything. And worst part yet, I walked by what would have to be the perfect specimen of a man earlier today, and it made me feel so inadequate. Like I I felt I was doing fine. You know, the heat's out. I'm sweating a little bit. I'm walking the dog, but I'm like, you know what? It's the middle of summer. You're allowed to sweat. You know, even the dog's sort of panting. We haven't even walked that far. And coming the opposite direction is a guy wearing just Reeboks and gym shorts and sunglasses, and that's it. And he looked like he was created in a lab by gay people. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how ridiculously perfect he was. And he had no shirt on, not sweating, though. Like, he was just walking around with no shirt to keep cool. And uh, I just went, like, beyond Nelly. I was just, like, straight down on my knees going, ah, <laughs> And I usually don't go for, like, the studlier muscle Sean Cody model type. Mm-hmm. And so I felt really stupid because, like, that's what my instinct was. Just to, like, you know, present, like, a mandrill in heat for this person. <laughs> I know the feeling. But then, like, four seconds after you walk by, I was like, oh, God, Jesus Christ. What is that? So, okay, we should talk about that because that sometimes happens to me, too, where it's like I'll see some really hot dude and my first reaction is, you know... Boy, yeah, 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 and then uh, like immediately after, I'm just like, oh god, I'm a piece of shit. Yeah, That's awful. <laughs> well, because then I started like it all came back to me that like the heat is making my hair fluffy and froofy. Mm-hmm. I'm sweating like through my shirt, and I'm wearing like a V-neck, so like my pasty pale complexion is even more pronounced. <laughs> even my coworkers was like, damn, Matt, you got white legs. <laughs> Thank you. The leg bleaching is working. <laughs> I mean, you know, I walk everywhere. You think that like some of the sun would have like absorbed into my skin? Like I don't drive. Like I'm, I literally walk everywhere, hmm. and I have nothing to show for it. No tan, no anything. So yeah, I'm walking, and this guy's just got he's got no body hair. You know, which is pleasing to the eye, not always to the touch, but mm-hmm. you know, and just all my inadequacies. Like suddenly, like all I can think of was like hitting my love handles as I'm marching around. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I completely understand that feeling, and uh, I try to fight it because now my, my, now my feeling, or I used to get mad at one point. I used to, I used to be like, oh fuck that guy, but now it's sort of like he works hard to get that body, so good for him. And he like as even as I was walking by, I was like, he doesn't mind if I'm watching because he clearly wants people to look. Sure, 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 sure. And he's he goes, oh cute dog, and I just went ha. <laughs> That's your chance to say, hey, cute you, <laughs> oh, and then double guns him. 
<laughs> and just put my ankle around my head. <laughs> It's like that episode of Rick and Morty when uh, they go to the uh, space marriage counseling and there's like, you know, the ideal, the version of Jerry that Beth sees him as and he's like that worm (laughs) and he confronts the real Jerry and he just like immediately turns around (laughs) and starts wiggling his butt. No, nobody's doing that. Nowadays, when I see that, there was there was a time when I was like, I should really try and work on my body more. And now I just kind of have come to accept that, A, I'm I'm an ectomorph. So look it up, (laughs) which means a classic hard gainer. Which means I'm never going to look like that. And that also means I'm never going to look that up because you just explained it to me. (laughs) I'm just never going to look that way unless I eat like 5,000 calories a day and do nothing else but work out. So I need to accept the fact that this scrawny, uh, you know, burnt matchstick body I've got going on is is what I am going to have unless... Unless I put in that kind of effort, and I'm just not going to do that. Yeah, it was four seconds of glory followed by hours of self-loathing. <laughs> How, how'd you cope? Was it was it eating or? Um... I just basically yelled at a bunch of my clients to be better at their jobs. Mm, okay, yeah. So that's uh, transference, I think. Is what <laughs> oh, <they> call that. <laughs> so we were on a podcast again. We were, yeah. Deadbeat Film Society. Deadbeat Films. Those deadbeats. Against all odds, they had us back. I, I know. I'm, I was really surprised after you uh, spray painted. Um, we hate deadbeats on the side Kubrick of her house. Rules. <laughs> but they just. They, yeah, they were like Kubrick does rule. <laughs> right on. Yeah, thank you for helping us decal our home. Oh, curses! <laughs> but yeah, they had us on for an episode of uh, important short films, mm-hmm. which I think is already out. Yeah, I think it came out last week. Yeah. But yeah, you should check it out. They're always fun. They're always a laugh. A laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly I'm British. (laughs) Doing your your Mick Jagger. (laughs) Not even like Cockney Lay. (laughs) It's a laugh. (laughs) I hate it when British people throw an R at the end of words that end in A. Example. Banana. 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 My mother dated a British person for years, and I never heard them say banana. <laughs> well, some of them do. It's not every British accent, but there's there's one in particular that tends to throw that on the end, and it drives me nuts. That throws off the whole banana song, though. <laughs> you mean banana phone? Yeah. <laughs> Which banana song are you thinking of? I don't know. Like if you're doing like Anna Nana, Anna Anna Fofana, Me My Momana. Banana Nana No Nana. <laughs> yeah, it throws off the whole rhythm of it. Yeah, I wonder if they sing it differently. We have a, a British contingency, don't we? It's kind of yeah. Actually, yeah. Our our small but prestigious Irish listenership has uh, turned into a small but prestigious Welsh listenership. I love it. If any of our listeners over there in the British Isles are on Twitter, at us. I'd love to hear from y'all. Uh, I'm struggling to even think of another word that ends in an A. <laughs> yeah, well, if, if I'd known we were going to be talking about this, I would have prepared. But, uh, <laughs> let's just call it the, the banana phenomenon. Banana phenomenon. Uh, the banana <laughs> Okay, let's move on. <laughs> well. we, we've reached the logical end of that segment.
Matt. Yes. What are we talking about today? Today we're ushering in my sort of exploration of action movies. <laughs> and I'm starting us off with what some would argue to be the, the high point of the genre, or at least a high point in the genre, John Woo's Hard Boiled. I kind of wanted to do, like, when I did, like, the art exploration, like, each one was sort of separate. This one, I kind of want to talk about how action is different now than it was 20 years ago. Okay. Or almost 30 years ago, really, on some of these. But when I watch a movie like Hard Boiled, there's something special about seeing it done for real. Mm -hmm. Like, I was watching this through the lens of, like, Infinity Wars and what made it different. I don't know if it's just that my eye can tell the difference or if, in general, the audience's eye can tell the difference. But having something actually explode seems so much more potent than... CGI explosions. Agreed. I don't know. There's an immediacy to it. The actors are reacting to it in real time. And especially with John Woo, especially at, at this point in his career, it was really just this moving collage of violence during these sequences. You know, you had gunfire. So there's sparks. There's whatever it's hitting, exploding. There's squibs if someone gets shot. And then there's just the actors moving on top of that. Sometimes motorcycles. <laughs> yeah. There's just all this stuff going on. And in my mind, it should be chaos. But when I watch it, at least in this movie, it makes sense. Like, I'm following what's happening. I'm seeing Chow Young-Fat roll and avoid gunfire while all this, while all those birds flying. And, mm -hmm. you know, at one point he has to, like, get a chicken out of the way. <laughs> And I, I don't know, I just, I think about that in comparison to, like, a lot of modern stuff where, I don't know, it doesn't feel as immediate. It doesn't feel as present, I guess I should say. Okay. I agree. I like this style of action. I like seeing people fly through the air for real and land in cardboard boxes. I like seeing uh, stuff explode. Mm -hmm. Um this is the first time I've ever tried to watch a movie like this with a critical eye. Okay. Um, and it is really amazing the amount of choreography that w that goes into, like, say, the warehouse scene with mm -hmm. where their guns were. And they, like, drive cars in. There's sparks flying. Things are blowing up. Motorcycles are coming through with machine guns. Like, there's just so much happening. But it never feels like chaos it feels very controlled and choreographed yeah it never feels like it's just a bunch of stuff happening or just a bunch of people flailing about like it feels clear there's a trajectory where your eye is supposed to go in these situations some people not this person described john woo films as ballets with bullets okay well i don't you describe them as bullet ballets <laughs> well i don't disagree with them i find that a little too snooty even for me but just like at the beginning, like when Chow Young-Fat, like someone shoots at him as he's coming down the staircase mm -hmm. and like he ricochets back a little bit and then starts shooting while leaning over the banister running down the stairwell. And I watch him like, that's awesome. Yeah. And I'm like, this is such like a small stunt. Like, did it really take months of training? Did it take green screen? Did it take this and that? I'm like, 
No, this is a small stunt that just looks really cool when it's done right. Yeah. You think he's going to fall over the edge, but no, he plants his feet and then runs down and shoots him as he's going. And he's always got two guns. Uh-huh. Sleeves are always rolled up. Uh, I watched a lot of John Woo films in preparation for this. Oh, okay. Face Off? I actually will defend Face Off. I like it's Face like, Off a lot, too. It's the only one of his American films that I think I'll, I'll like full-throatedly defend. Because like Hard Targets, I don't like. Although some say that there is a better like director's cut out there that I just haven't mm. seen. Okay. Broken Arrows, lame. But some of his early stuff, The Better Tomorrow, he did a Better Tomorrow 1 and 2, and then he was going to do one called Better Tomorrow 3, but there was creative differences, and he didn't get the rights to it, so he had to do one called uh, Bullet in the Head, which was his vision of the third movie, and then another prominent Hong Kong director named Choi Hark, I think I got the pronunciation right, did a Better Tomorrow 3, so if you watch them, they're like, the same plot, but done by two different directors. Mm. John Woo's version is better. Like, when you watch a movie like that, it's like, all they're doing is shooting people, like, for 90 minutes, and then they're suddenly, like, prisoners of war, and they have to shoot people, like, deer hunter style. Oh, and you're like, oh, my God, this is so... But, like, oh, no, they've been shooting people this whole movie. <laughs> but all at once, I'm like, oh, yeah, they have to shoot people. This is terrible. <laughs> so, you know, good on John Woo for being able to, like, elicit, like, when I'm supposed to feel bad that people are shot total strangers yeah like if you had to do a drinking game to like every time someone got shot jesus you'd be dead in this just, movie just be vomiting like before the opening credits i was gonna say what is the body count in this movie it's got to be in the hundreds yeah i mean just in like the tea house alone oh you the get hospital. like hospital i mean <laughs> how many people died in that hospital that day oh man and not just because of malpractice <laughs> I did like how they had to stop the operation because the oh. fire alarm was going off. I don't think that's a thing. That can't be. Yeah, I couldn't. I, I couldn't tell you a, a medical procedure. How that affects triage. If we have any doctor listeners out there, what happens in a hospital if you're in the middle of an important emergency procedure and a fire alarm goes off? Do you just walk away? Yeah. What happens? I can't imagine you just walk away. Yeah. It's gotta uh. be something. They gotta have a. Like maybe that's a fireproof room. Yeah, I don't. There's got to be some contingency plan for that. I don't know. I'm sure they've thought about this. Yeah, like, we're not the first person to come up with the idea that a fire might break out in a hospital. <laughs> hey, hey, excuse me, architects. <laughs> uh, uh, I can see that you're designing a hospital there, but have you have you thought about if a fire sweeps through? <laughs> mm, might want to might want to consider that in your plans there. So you know, right off the bat, the plot's a little confusing. Yeah. I did have to look up a synopsis because it was like it was sort of a Miller's Crossing sort of thing where it's like, oh, he's on this person's side. Oh, but now he's on this person's side. But oh, is he really on this person's side? And sometimes it like it happened so quickly that I wasn't entirely sure when allegiances, mm -hmm. you know, switched. But so I did have to like look up a synopsis. And once I did that, I was like, I don't know. Okay. It all came together for me. Yeah. I'm with you. Before we dive in real quick, I just want to say it was really cool to see the like early 90s film distribution cgi uh oh i don't know what they're like called. the logos yeah but like in china yeah <laughs> yeah it's like oh yeah i guess you know it's not just touchstone pictures and things like that like you get <laughs> every, everyone around the world was doing this and they had their own like watch it's translated it. it's just new line cinema yeah <laughs> Anyway, uh, go ahead. So the very beginning of the movie, it's in like a tea house, dim sum restaurant, like whatever you want to say. And 
John Woo, there's two things that, or I'll say three things that he really likes. He likes good guys that are actually bad and bad guys that are actually good. That's like a, a big staple in like everything that I've seen him do. Okay. Face Off, of course, has mm, this mm-hmm. for certain. He likes, uh, and I, I don't know the etymology of this phrase enough to know if it's offensive or not. He likes Mexican standoffs. Okay. Uh, so two people holding a gun point blank from one another. Mm-hmm. That's in like every single one of his movies. And then he also likes birds. <laughs> Birds are in basically all of his movies at some point or another. Hmm. I don't know why. More often than not, it's doves. But like in this movie, it was just a whole menagerie menagerie of birds. Would you ever eat in a cafe that had a bunch of birds like that? Well, so my I have a question. All the the customers were bringing in cages with birds. I thought they were like buying birds maybe too. (laughs) Like there was also it was like a bird shop slash cafe. seem like boy if, if capitol hill's missing something <laughs> it's definitely your your bird shop slash tea house i'm sure portland has one i don't know but because it, it seemed like they had bird houses like bird cages hanging from the ceiling but then also like the waiter would come and put one on your table it seemed like and but people would also be bringing them in like you know yeah people were bringing in birds as if they were like taking their dog for a walk or something I mean, I don't know. Things may be I, I different like, in Hong it, Kong. I don't know. Is don't this know. custom in in their, uh, you know, culinary uh, sector? I I don't know. Like, are you supposed to just bring birds with you to restaurants? I don't know. It, <laughs> we'll just have to speculate, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know. I I definitely thought that. I was like, is this normal? <laughs> I just I don't know. Birds are noisy and they're kind of messy. I just don't know if I'd want to. Like that cafe has to be very fastidious about cleaning up because yeah feathers get everywhere. I had uh, parakeets growing up, and my mother used to always like get on my case about how there was like seed and millet and feathers like just around the cage area. Mm. Then when I went off to college and on my own and stuff like that, she kept the birds, and she realized that it's like it only takes like one flapping of their wings before that shit goes everywhere. <laughs> and she goes, oh, I guess I'm kind of hard on Matt because this gets dirty quick. <laughs> Yeah, gross. Yeah, but he's, he sees like an arms deal. Going yeah, it's down? some sort of smuggling thing, you know, deal going down, and he sees it through a mirror <laughs> in a bird cage. Which I was also thinking, I was like, would that really work? That tiny little compact <laughs> mirror, like, and you got—I don't know. I was like, I don't think that's gonna work. I think you should just turn around and look. <laughs> but then a rival gang member comes in and breaks up the smuggling trade agreement thing and then there's a gang war between the police who are trying to catch it the smuggling ring and then some rival gang trying to break up the smuggling action from happening Mm -hmm. so bunch of shootouts all different directions shit's exploding Chow Young Fat just steps on a birdcage and like pulls out some extra guns I thought that was the gun like the trade like they were smuggling them in birdcages and he knew that there were just going to be guns in there that would make sense, but God, what? How tedious to just trade like two guns at a time? <laughs> two handguns? I don't know. Maybe it's like you know how how dare uh, officers used to say like uh, you know they always want you to try it first. They'll give you the first one free. Like no. FYI, I've never gotten free drugs in my life. No dealer does that, but you know maybe that's like what they were going off of in this. Like, we'll give you the first three free, and then we'll, we'll give you. More. Hong Kong had a, had its own dare program, but it was you know keeping kids off of guns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> which we might actually need around here. Yeah. Oh. So in this big shootout, which is gloriously choreographed, Cha Young Fat, uh, Inspector Tequila is his character's name. His friend dies. His Get partner. Yeah. yeah. Who's cute, I think. Really? I did, yeah. Is he the cutest of, of the ones in here? No. Okay. <laughs> but cute. And that's kind of cool when it when he like his partner gets shot and then he comes back. Uh, Inspector Tequila comes back and kills the guy who kills him, who killed his partner. And he's like doused in flour. Yeah. And then he's like completely white, like a ghost. And then he shoots the dude, and then like blood spurts on his face, and it's just like a high contrast between the white and the red. For as many dead bodies as there are in this movie, the blood is always used very effectively, mm-hmm. sparingly, and effectively. Like, for all the shootouts that we see, like, you know, there's some squib action, but, like, we don't really get blood to, like, he kills that guy, like, in cold blood style. Yeah. He didn't have to shoot him, and he did. And that's that's one of those things, like, Chow Yun-Fat's a cop, but he also, like, shot this guy in cold blood out of revenge. So it's, like, a good guy that does bad things. Like, Wu loves that sort of stuff. He's a tough guy to handle. And as racist as it sounds, it's sort of the, the yin and yang of the human spirit. Okay. Let's dial it back. <laughs> <laughs> so the flip side of this coin <laughs> would be Tony Leung's character, mm-hmm. Alan. <laughs> Alan! Totally recognizable actor. I mean, he's in he's in a bunch of junk. He did a bunch of stuff with uh, Wong Kar Wai. Is that right? Yeah. So he was in like in the mood for love. He was in twenty forty six. He was happy in together. Happy together. He was in the original, the Infernal Affairs that The Departed was based on. Oh right, yeah. He's in a bunch of junk. You'll totally recognize him when you see him if you watch Asian cinema. I, I didn't really see any like American movies that he would have that he was in. Yeah, I guess you're right. Whereas. Chow Young Fat like was in Crouch Tiger and Dragon, which is not an American movie, but did make a big splash here in the states. Yeah, uh, but he was also in like one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, like right. Bulletproof Monk. Like he was in a bunch of bad like late nineties action movies, but he's better known in the states than Tony Leung. But yeah. I've seen more Tony movies than I have Chow. Yeah, if you yeah if you if you've seen any of those movies we've mentioned, he's very recognizable. Yeah, because he's cute. He is kind of cute. Yeah. <laughs> Unhappy together, he plays a gay. I know. I don't really like that movie that much. Well, there are kind of a couple of shitbags. Yeah. <laughs> that movie's not great. I mean, whatever. We can discuss it at another time. But Tony Leung plays a hitman who's secretly an undercover cop. Mm. And he plays that one real close to the vest. Yeah. Because, like, nobody knows until, like, kind of close to the end. Like, beginning of the third act, at least. And, like, even though he's an undercover cop and, like, supposedly he's doing this all for good, he does kill people pretty indiscriminately. He kills many people. <laughs> like, he... Uh, but they're all bad people. Right. <laughs> so That's he's not a, good enough for he's you? He's a Is that good what I'm guy sensing? playing a bad guy. Killing bad people. Which makes him a real bad guy. <laughs> Right? Is it a real bad guy? I don't know. It's confusing. <laughs> Is Dexter a real bad guy? Are the Boondock Saints real bad guys? Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you know, the talking parts are the talking parts of an action movie. Like nobody really cares about the talking parts. Yeah. So after we have the tea house shootout, we get some plot. 
Uh, there's some sort of code with a song about something. Are you somewhere feeling lonely or, or someone's loving you? Thank you. Which at first I thought was stupid, but then I realized that there is a thing where uh, like uh, languages that are pitch based, like Chinese, they, they're, they, I think this is Chinese that they're speaking. They have more of a sense of perfect pitch. So it makes more sense that they'd be able to quickly recognize uh, those pitches. and like. That is one of the reasons that like social scientists believe that a lot of those cultures are better musically. Mm. It's because it's in their way of speaking that like different pitches have different meanings. Yeah. And so they're taught to listen for those things at an early age. Right. So that makes sense. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. So yeah, there's like code and a song and like the superintendent is getting messages that he needs to like get tequila off the case and He's too close to the case. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much yeah (laughs) john woo i guess loved dirty harry okay so like once he started making action movies he basically just tried to make a bunch of dirty harry movies but i would say most of them are better than dirty harry okay at least the ones that i've seen yeah basically all of them are better than dirty harry and this definitely fits into that like you know renegade cop playing by his own rules sort of situation (laughs) turn in your badge your gun (laughs) You're off the case. <laughs> I didn't like that because uh, it's not the chief. It's the superintendent. And I'm like, oh, British holdover. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, well, and Hong Kong was still part of British rule at that point, I think. Right. It was 96 that they got freed. Freed. I don't know. That's not the right word. Don't look to us for <laughs> foreign policy history. <laughs> Yeah, also there's like moments when uh when they're really angry that they slip into English. Which I kind of yeah, strange, but uh I don't know, maybe that's just like a way to emphasize really get your point across. This is the fucking order. So yeah, he's off the case, but you know, in typical renegade cop style, he's not really off the case, you know, cuz this time it's personal. Mm-hmm. We have one gang lord Uncle Hoy. Yeah. And then there's another one who, uh, Wong. Johnny. Johnny Wong. Yeah. And they're rival gangs. And Alan. Alan! Is sort of, well, at first he's like playing them against each other. But then after a while, like he spearheads this raid on Uncle Hoy's, you know, arms militia warehouse deal. Yeah. Sort of pushed into it by Wong. Wong makes him kill Uncle Hoy in this scene and like all of Uncle Hoy's men like that are still remaining after what's a pretty epic like middle act so good yeah it's it's probably my favorite set piece is you just you just know that like shit's gonna go down in it too because there's this long like lateral shot of just the the whole area with like the sparks and they're working on cars and hiding uh guns in you know crates and things like that and you're like oh shit shit's gonna go down in here you just know it (laughs) yeah there's i don't know cars and people are welding and a bunch of stuff that you wouldn't think would be happening in a warehouse at you know 11 at night or whenever time this is but hey i don't trade in uh, illegal arms dealing so i don't know then just like all these like motorcycle gangs come in and they start shooting up the place and like I really couldn't tell you who's who in this situation. Yeah. I'm just watching the stuff explode. And there's plenty. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all you can eat. There's like the one motorcyclist that like drives like over the guy into like the back of a truck. And then slams into a guy yeah. in the truck. <laughs> 
uh, there's like the shooting of like the gas tanks in the motorcycles that just, there was like real stunt people on those yeah. things who like rolled around while on fire after the motorcycle they were riding on exploded. People fall from like high balconies onto cars and then onto the ground. Like there's one guy who launches in slow motion, like throws himself into a box, bunch of boxes. It looks like it really hurt, <laughs> but I mean, that's what they're there for. A lot of slow motion, too, I got to say. Is that like a signature John Woo thing? Kind of. I mean, if you're going to capture those dubs flying, you you kind of have to slow it down a little bit. Okay. So, yeah, the, there's just, it's a bunch of stuff happening. A lot of bullets flying, a lot of vehicles moving, cars getting shot up, people getting shot up, falling, and then smoke bombs come in. Yeah. After, like, the dust has sort of settled, like, after Wong has, like, done his damage and, like, claim this turf for his own and this is after uncle hoy is dead too, this is after uncle hoy is dead tequila comes in with like the police they've just been like what waiting up there and like we'll let them shoot <laughs> each other out these ranks a yeah little bit. yeah i mean for the most part it's like he, the, a bunch of smoke bombs come in but then like he just swings in yeah with just a machine gun like tarzan style shooting people if if you're one of those people that's like how is he shooting all these people and killing them, but everyone's shooting at him and missing? This movie's not for you. Yeah, so, <laughs> don't even go there. Chow Young Fat, there's got to be 10,000 bullets shot at him, and I think one hits him at one point. Yeah. Meanwhile, he just, like, spray and prays. <laughs> and then that's when we get our first uh, Mexican standoff, <laughs> if, if we're allowed to say that. Our first Latin American standoff. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, Chow Yun-Fat does not uh, hesitate to pull the trigger. Because he's got that evil... He's got the dark side running through him a little. Yeah, Tequila's ready to just kill everybody. Yeah. And um, almost kills Alan. Alan! (laughs) But that's when Alan realizes... Alan could kill him, but, you know, undoes the hammer and then just walks away. And then that's when uh, Tequila's like, something's going on with this guy. It's also a good little showcase because, like, you get the idea that tequila would kill someone again in cold blood yeah alan will not and alan's supposed to be like the the high-priced assassin and you know he killed uncle hoy and those men no problem yeah why isn't he killing tequila he also killed that yeah that one dude that we saw in the library we saw him oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. totally skipped over that part but yeah and i think i guess this kind of links those two this movie is really pretty good at doing showing not telling that whole sequence at the library when Tequila's figuring out that there was a book, maybe that was placed, and maybe there, if I find this book, maybe there's a clue to what this guy's murder was about. And it's all wordless. Yeah. We just sort of see him going through his thought process. And yeah, because like like, you see like the blood stain, and it's rectangle shaped, so he's like, oh, there was a book here. Mm-hmm. So then he starts looking around the library, which honestly I feel would take forever. I know my first thought was like, you're never going to find that book. <laughs> uh, but he does find it. He finds a blood spattered copy of the complete works of Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Volume two. I don't know what plays were in that one, but you know, I'm sure it was Julius Caesar. Let's assume King Macbeth, Lear. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> and yeah, he opens it up and it's, you know, it's like the book that I have for my television remote control where it's like you open it up and there's a, hollow spot in mm-hmm. the pages and you close it and it looks like oh you're reading Shakespeare how <laughs> no I'm watching the real housewives of Atlanta <laughs> yeah and so and then also yeah like you were saying the the when they're pointing the guns at each other it you know 
it's wordless, but we know that this says something about both their characters. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Stuff like that, I always wonder, I was like, was this in the script? Was there a Latinx standoff in the script? <laughs> or did Johnny Wu work that one in himself? He's yeah, like, yeah. I can't do this movie unless we get at least one Hispanic standoff. You're, they're bringing like, we've got John Wu on the line. And uh, he's like, all right, how many Latinx standoffs do we got? How many bird scenes? And uh, are the good guys bad and the bad guys good? Because <laughs> otherwise I'm walking. <laughs> what i imagine it's like yeah it's, i mean it's <laughs> probably not too far off the mark yeah okay so more talking once again it's an action film no one's really paying attention to the talking parts i mean they're not bad i don't, I don't want to like be like snooze fest time to take a piss like they're not poorly done yeah but it's exposition that's not what i bought the ticket for though mm-hmm. thankfully our next set piece is uh the, there for an hour like the, the second half of the movie all takes place in the hospital. So the third act action sequence, which, yeah, there's a lot going on there. Because then there's like Mad Dog, who's like a hitman for Johnny Wong. Right. And then there's Foxy, the informant. Right. Who, oh, well, we don't want to skip the sail, sailboat sequence. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, Where there's like uh, Johnny Wong finds out that Foxy was the informant and wants to have... Alan kill him, mm-hmm. but Alan slips in that uh, cigarette lighter, yeah. and he shoots him, so it looks like he gets shot in the chest, but he actually just gets shot in the cigarette lighter, so it looks like he's been killed, but he's not actually that been killed. That is incredible aim. I also would not bank on that working. <laughs> great movie stuff, though. Works great in the movies. Isn't there lighter fluid in that? Wouldn't that just explode? I feel, yeah, it would still just explode. <laughs> anyway... I also thought that the boat action sequence was a lot of fun because there's like a point where Alan like pops out of like a compartment and it like genuinely kind of scared me. Uh-huh. I was like, holy shit, there he is. He gets shot in the back. Like, from yeah. Up above. Oh, yeah. That's like, right. The and lower then like back. keeps fighting. And then once he's done, he's like, I need to go to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> but Foxy gets taken to the hospital. Alan's at the hospital. Mad Dog shows up. Because- yeah. They, they catch wind somehow that Foxy's still alive and they have to go to the hospital to kill him. And so for me, this is where the difference between uh, Marvel movie climax and uh, early 90s action movie climax. This is where they really become different, like not just in like the aesthetic sense of like stuff actually exploding versus CGI, but the stakes here are much different. But I feel like there's so much higher here than they are in a world is about to end half the population of the universe is about to die sort of thing totally like a good portion of this takes place in the maternity ward (laughs) there are babies (laughs) it's like not only yet are there like sick patients that like have to be evacuated the dude that they're like having a surgery on but there's babies and i don't know like it that just feels so heightened and excited for me Versus like, oh, the world's going to end. I'm like, well, fuck those people. Yeah. I mean, what can I, I do about it? I don't love them, hoes. <laughs> like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you don't think about everything that's happening in a hospital. And they're huge buildings, you know, like sometimes complexes with so many people running in and out of them all day. And like sick people and people who work there and, you know, uh, staff that just keep the building running and everything like that. And that's all 
under siege. What if at the end of the of Avengers, I feel like this would be more emotional, is if it showed a maternity ward and like half the babies turning into dust. Fuck. It'd be a dark turn yeah. for, for MCU, but <laughs> I, I'd approve. I'd like it. Sure. But yeah, so the, part of like this very long finale is trying to evacuate the maternity ward and they have like the Hong Kong police department repelling out the side of a window, taking babies one by one while gangsters are shooting at them. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> like I, like I get so nervous because like, yeah, the first time they're trying to take a baby out, like some guy gets shot. <laughs> yeah. Like a guy with a machine gun pops out of a window and shoots them. Oh my gosh, the baby? Okay. And it's like they get the baby down, the baby's covered with blood. Like, huh. <laughs> it's not like the baby's in an enclosed safe uh like cat yeah, it's carrier. It's not in a baby safe. <laughs> it's in like a like a little plastic bin. Yeah. That you get at uh <laughs> the container, the container store. store. Yeah. And then they just tied uh uh some drapes around it for a yeah, handle. Yeah, it's like they took like a onesie or something, like, all right, here's the harness. Pass it down six flights outside. Oh my god. Like yeah. that just like oh the anxiety that I would feel in that situation. Oh, it's <sighs> I mean, I get anxious just talking about them like they were babies and they're being shot at. Ugh. But I mean, that's Chow Young Fast not even dealing with tequila is not even on that case. Yeah. Johnny Wong's arms storage facility is underneath this hospital. Right. There's like a secret compartment in the morgue morgue. that leads down this weird metallic hallway. And that's where he's keeping all his arms. Yeah. And they have a confrontation with Mad Dog. At this point, Tequila and Alan have teamed up. They're not totally on the same side, but they're definitely fighting a common enemy. Right. So it's almost like he's got his partner back. Yeah, if you want, yeah, sure. It's an, it's an uneasy, tenuous relationship that they have going, but. But there are moments when he's like, I don't want to lose my partner again. Yeah. Like he gets flashbacks too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's supposed to be in love with Teresa, but he's just in love with whatever bro is by his side. He's in love with Alan. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like in Ferris Bueller's Day Off where that girlfriend is just there to make uh, Cameron and Ferris read less gay. Yeah. So Teresa like pulls the fire alarm and like everyone has to evacuate, but Johnny Wong like holds the hospital hostage, essentially. Yeah. So there's like patients that were like running out but are now trapped in the stairwell. Uh, there was a surgery going on, <sighs> and it's like, yeah, I don't know what the hell that person's do. dead. That if I was the doctor, unless I saw flames, I'd probably stay. Like unless like the death was really imminent, I don't know. Because if you left, that would basically assure that he would die. Yeah. So I don't know. I'd probably take that chance. It's a tough one. I don't know. I didn't major in ethics or logic. <laughs> I thought you were going to say doctorology. <laughs> because doctorology is one of my top 10 words <laughs> you're like here he goes again dropping that five dollar word and then it's just like it's sort of like um it reminded me of a james cameron movie where the final act which could be up to an hour is just <laughs> just constant tension yeah and I don't know if this movie's as successful at it as as some of James Cameron's are, but um, that's definitely 
a difference i think between today's action movies and movies back then because they just like kept that going because like that's what you paid for you often said that sometimes like as much as you admire the craft of a cameron film you will feel exhausted Mm -hmm. do you feel that with a john woo film I did with this one a little bit, yeah. Okay. I kind of felt like the, the that big long action sequence could have been edited down. Okay. Just I don't know. It seemed a little excessive after a while. Okay. But that's me. I also have a lower tolerance for movies like this, I think, now that I've gotten older. I don't mm. know why. I tried to channel my inner teenager <laughs> mm-hmm. and it worked for, for most of it, but definitely near the end I was kind of like, Okay, like wrap it how up. How many more babies are there? Let's get going. <laughs> I did like this scene, however, with Mad Dog fighting with Alan, and then there's like the patients in between them, and they're both civil enough to put their guns down and say, okay, you guys go before we finish this. Mm-hmm. And then that's when uh, Johnny Wong comes in and just kills them anyway, just, you know, proving that he's the big villain. And, big, that's the, the big bad. That, and that's the turning point for Mad Dog, too. Like, he's like, I don't know. Like, you know, uh, Tequila and I, like, we know what we're in for, but these patients weren't part of this because that, that's what gets mad dog to turn against mm-hmm. johnny wong was that johnny wong would, would kill the patients yeah the last so, minute i was just curious because this pace of action for some reason meets my internal rhythm okay. for action like some where it's like the stakes just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger like that gets exhausting for me but like i don't know i feel like in this instance the stakes were laid out sort of at the beginning of the third act and because they didn't raise too much, like we always knew where they were and it was just like the forward momentum of it. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, no, I'm on board with this. Like, I don't know. It, it didn't exhaust me. I mean, I, I, I can sympathize with being exhausted by it, but uh, this, yeah. And John Woo films in particular, they kind of hit that rhythm where it's like they lay out the stakes, they don't mess with it. And it's just a, a steady forward momentum from that. I don't know. That, that's that's on my rhythm. Yeah, I definitely feel like this is a personal, a taste critique. So I'm not going to push it too hard. Uh, just not my flavor. I can appreciate the craft of it for sure. Because, I mean, like, he's still telling the story through the action. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's there for a reason. Mm-hmm. I just felt like it, you could edit it down. But I also had that same critique with um, You Only Live Twice. So oh, okay. the final, like, big set piece, I was like, okay, like, let's chop this down from 30 minutes to 15 and I'll be happier. I like, I mean, for the most part, I liked it a lot and I'm interested to see what else you're going to pull out of your hat for this. Um, cause it's, I'm curious to see where it's going to go from here. Okay. Okay. I think I mentioned this on the universal soldier four episode of our <laughs> podcast is that I used to think I liked action movies, but I was really raised on, you know, Hollywood nineties action movies. Like mm-hmm. that's what I, that's what I cut my teeth on for that genre. And those aren't even really good examples of mm-hmm. what a mo- an action movie can be. Yeah. So I've had to kind of rethink where I'm at on that. And so I'm happy to to keep thinking about it. Okay. <laughs> I have a question for you. Yeah. What was your favorite stunt? Well, I already mentioned it's just, it, it, it feels small in the whole scope of the movie, but Chow Young-Fat uh, gliding down the banister, like double shooting, like running while leaning backwards. Mm-hmm. I did like that one a lot. The motorcycles exploding in the middle sequence, I definitely liked a whole bunch. I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna have to give it to the motorcycles because, like, after they exploded, like, the stunt people were, like, legitimately on fire and, like, had to roll around. Yeah. And I'm like, that's just a whole thing. Like, that's just a whole 
moment that you had to like choreograph and time just right and then people really reacted in real time to that explosion you had to be able to drive a motorcycle you had to be able to leap yeah, on, like do on a, a motorcycle. stunt with yeah. it yeah and then you also had to be on the motorcycle in the air while it blows up and then catch on, and fire, catch on fire and react to it so stunt i don't know people deserve awards they, they kind of do <laughs> like stunt people work goddamn hard at their job uh what about you did you have one i do I really liked the scene when they first get into the morgue and tequila pushes the gurney with Alan in it under a sheet and it's just like spinning around to get to the desk and then he slides off of it and just kicks the guy in the face. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah, yeah. That no, one, that was real good. That, that was, was real good. Cool. I like that a lot. I don't know. It, in movies like this, like hits feel like hits. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Like you you watch, yeah, that, that kick because like the camera's like up high so you get like the angle of like the foot getting closer to the frame. Yeah, I don't know. Just, there's a, a a physicality to that that just it feels so real. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's a good one too. I remember that one. I do want to say I thought it was I thought the ending was a little weird when he had uh, when uh, Wong had Alan in the headlock and then he starts making uh, tequila do all the weird shit and he's like humiliate himself yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's all playing into that homoerotic tension between him and Alan (laughs) and that's when Alan's like okay (laughs) only I get to see that tequila (laughs) anyway cool I can't I'm excited to see what else you're gonna pull up all right uh, well, in the meantime, you must have something for me next week. Oh, I do. Matt, you made a miscalculation last week. Oh? This happened off pod, but you told me about a movie that you haven't seen yet that I just don't think you should go much further without experiencing. <laughs> okay. So I'm choosing... To make you watch Xanadu. (laughs) Okay. Wow. That's the last time I go drinking with you. (laughs) Isn't it supposed to be bad? Listen, I'm going to go ahead and say right now, I don't like this movie. I'm not here to defend it. (laughs) But uh, I kind of want to see your reaction to it. Okay. Okay. And I do think it's a movie that everyone needs to watch once. So it's got a lot going for it on paper and not a lot going for it on screen. (laughs) So. I'm going in with an open mind. I love it. That's all I ask. A movie being bad has never made me lo- lose interest in it. So, cool. Okay. Cool. 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 <laughs> Want to plug our junk? Let's plug our junk. Follow us on Twitter at X Rated Movies. We tweet. We, you know what it's about. Mm-hmm. You can check us out on Facebook as well. That's Rated X Movies. Go to our website, xratedmovies.com. It's got everything that we've ever done, literally. Looking primo and choice these days. That's yeah, all right. And uh, if you want to send us an email, you can do that at x.rated.movies at gmail.com. And uh, we'll, we'll respond to you at some point. Fill up our inbox. Fill it mm. up. Mm. We've got a large cavity for emails. Mm. Is that it? <laughs> yeah, probably. All right. We'll be here next week for Xanadu. Bye. Bye. Bye.